Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. The Robertson House. My nightmare started many years ago. It was 1990, I think. It was the night before my high school graduation. Me and several of my friends decided we wanted to end our high school days with something stupid. Something that we would remember for the rest of our lives. Something we could look back in 20 years and laugh and ask, what were we thinking? All I can say is, be careful what you ask for. We decided our last night as high school students, we would do something that none of us ever were brave enough to do our whole lives. We were spending the night in the old Robertson house on Elm Street. If you're not from Sycamore, let me describe the old Robertson house. We've all seen the Adams family house, but the Robertson house looked much worse. The wood was darkened with age. The windows were the old lead-type glass. Vines overgrew the house and looked like they could be actual blood vessels. It was a place of nightmares. The ghost stories were no different. They were just as dark as the soul of the house. The stories go something like this. A long time ago, the house was the most beautiful house in town. It was the house that everyone wanted, a true public display of wealth. You knew every story. It's the same story as every other town. The town's biggest house was built by a doctor who had it built for his drop-dead gorgeous wife. Then they had a child who tragically died. But this house, this house was different. It was not the local town urban legend. It actually happened. You can actually go to the library and read the article from the newspaper back then. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but yeah, and rumors have it she's still in the house. Well, her spirit is. And we wanted to find out if it was true. But here's the catch. Very few people have gone in that house. And those who did were never the same and refused to talk about what happened. So that night came. Robert, Mike, and myself all agreed to meet in front of the house. I was the last one to show up. To be honest, I was the last because I backed out. But at the last moment, I decided this would most likely be the last big memories with my friends, with my best friends. So I manned up. We all met up just outside the old gate. Must have talked about 20 minutes. We were just stalling for time. We really didn't think this through. And I think we were all just a tad nervous. But we all managed to get our nerves and bravery and walk through the gate and up the porch. And in true horror fashion, each step made the stairs creak. All that was missing was the horror music in the background. We got up the stairs and were all facing the wooden front door. We argued about what we'd do next. I got tired of stalling and then just opened the door. To my surprise, it was unlocked and it opened right up. I'm pretty sure my face showed a scared, surprised look because that's exactly what Mike and Robert's faces look like. I grabbed my flashlight and turned it on and slowly walked in. It would have been a nice touch if the door had slammed shut behind us, but it didn't and we were all allowed to walk around with dry pants because of it. It was pretty uneventful. We walked around the house exploring went from room to room, opening each door and walking inside each room. We even joked about finding lost treasures and started looking for loose floorboards and peeking behind pictures on the walls. We'd completely forgotten about being scared and ignored all the horror stories we'd heard. I even got a little cocky and taunted the spirits of the house. I walked to the bottom of the staircase and yelled at the top. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, I'm not scared of you. You hear me? You're nothing. Show me you're here. Show me. I challenged whatever was in there. That would be something I would regret later that night. 
But in the meantime, nothing happened. At least I didn't see or hear anything. To be honest, it was quite uneventful most of the night. Around 1 a.m., we all decided it was time to find a place to settle for the evening. Mike and Robert wanted to play it safe and stay in the living room, close to the front door. They wanted to make sure they would have a fast getaway if they needed it. Me, on the other hand, I wanted to take full advantage of this opportunity. I said we should just go find a room on the second floor and sleep in there. After a long debate, I convinced the other two that my idea made more sense. We wanted to make one last memory and staying close to the door wasn't going to do that. So they gathered their sleeping bags and slowly followed me to the staircase. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty scared myself. I just had to make that first step on the bottom stair. Why was it so hard? I suddenly forgot how to climb stairs. Well, until Robert pushed me forward and said, Go on. This is your idea. We'll follow you. With a second push from Robert, I was able to get my first step done. That doesn't mean the rest was any easier. What seemed like an hour, but in reality was only a few minutes, we all reached the top. It was at that point I knew we had made a bad decision. Everything felt different. The air, the atmosphere, the energy, everything. We all felt this breeze blow by us, but it felt like it had a slight electrical charge. Could have just been our pure fear, but we didn't feel alone up there. I shook it off and began walking down the hallway to the left. The other two guys followed. I opened the first door we came across. It was actually a pretty nice room, but it was really small. I closed the door and then opened the next door. The room was amazing. It looked untouched, like someone had still been living there. The large bed was made up, and there wasn't much dust on the furniture. It even had its own bathroom. At that time, I don't know if the plumbing worked, but I doubted it. I told the guys this was my room, and that they could check out the other rooms and pick one to stay in. To say they didn't like that idea would be an understatement. Again, I convinced them that this was the best way to experience something, if anything was here. I told them I didn't want cowards messing this up for me. Again, against their best judgment, they just nodded and walked off. I closed my door and started walking towards the bed to drop my sleeping bag and stuff off. I heard the guys open several doors and eventually settle in for the night. After unrolling my bag on the bed, I crawled in it for the night. Once again, I decided to challenge whatever ghosts were in there. I said out loud, if there are any ghosts in here, I'm asking you, show yourself to me. I'm not scared of you. If this is your room, in your bed, just know I'm sleeping in it tonight. You want me out? Move it. After that, I laid there for a short while, but didn't take long for my eyes to feel heavy and I fell asleep. I'm not sure exactly how long I was asleep, but I was woken up to Mike and Robert screaming for me. They sounded like they were being murdered. I'd never heard them scream like that. I started to panic. I heard one of them scream and demand my help. I grabbed my knife I had hidden in the bed and crawled out as fast as I could. I ran towards the door and suddenly it felt like a brick wall had hit me and threw me back. I must have been thrown backwards 10 feet but I didn't have time to think about it. My two friends were screaming, screaming for their lives in the rooms down the hall. I jumped back and ran back toward the door, but once again, I was met with a force I couldn't see. This time it hit harder and threw me back even farther. Out of frustration, I screamed, let me out! I could hear my friends possibly dying and something was keeping me from saving them. I got up and ran as fast as I could in hopes that I could just outrun whatever was in there, preventing me from leaving. Again, I was hit with another invisible brick wall. I screamed, come on, let me out. My friends are dying. They need me. That's when I saw what was blocking me from leaving. It was a white mist and it came out from nowhere. It started to flow into a form. This form turned into a human-like silhouette. 
Within just a few seconds, there was this little girl, while the spirit of a little girl standing between me and the door. I cried, please, please let me out. I need to save them. The spirit just looked at me, saying nothing. I screamed again, please, they're being ripped to shreds. Let me save them. The little girl just shook her head no. I felt my blood pressure rise and my temperature explode. I screamed at the top of my lungs. You have no power over me. Let me out. The little girl looked over her shoulder. She looked scared. She turned back and looked at me and put her finger over her lips, telling me to be quiet. I screamed like hell. I'll scream until you let me out. Again, the little girl looked over her shoulder with fear in her eyes. Again, she put her finger over her lips. Something wasn't right. This time, I took her warning, but it was too late. My friend stopped screaming. I assumed they were both dead. Things got quiet, almost too quiet. But that silence was broken by a massive collision on the other side of my door. The little girl's spirit looked back at me with pure fear in her eyes and faded away. And it was at this point that the door exploded, throwing shards of wood towards me. The air filled with a heavy, thick, dark feeling, a feeling of hopelessness and pure evil. As the dust cleared, a massive dark figure slowly walks in the room. I heard a thunderous boom every time that demonic beast took a footstep, a footstep closer to me. The beast suddenly lunged toward me and hit me with a blow. With so much force, I was thrown back into the wall, making an indention. The beast started running toward me again, and I swear the whole house was shaking with every impact of its clawed feet. I struggled to get to my feet due to the wind being knocked out of me. I reached up for the closest thing to me to get leverage. I was able to grab onto the thick curtains and lift myself up. As I yanked, the curtain ripped from its rod, spilling in the morning sun through the darkness, like an arrow soaring through the air. It was morning! As the sunlight filled the dark room, it was the beast showing fear. As it scrambled to find any darkness or any shaded area to hide itself, and then it suddenly vanished, as fast as it had shown up. I quickly ran out of the room and headed towards where I thought my friends were. I opened and checked every room. I couldn't find them. There were no signs of them anywhere, no bags, no blood, nothing. I was so confused. I ran back to my room and grabbed my stuff. Then I ran out and down the stairs and made a V-line for the front door. I don't even remember opening the door as I ran out so fast and down those wooden steps. When I got to the gate, to my amazement, was Robert and Mike. They were there, in front of me, alive. Mike looks at me and says, Dude, you look like you've seen a ghost. What happened last night? Why were they screaming? Why did they leave without me this morning? Robert looked at me confused and said, It was your idea to go in there alone. I said, What? Robert replied, The three of us got to the gate, where we are now. You told us you wanted to go do this alone and to meet back up here at seven. So here we are. The look on my face must have been priceless. I just simply turned around and looked back at the house. My eyes found the window where my room was. And that window was that little girl, her finger over her lips telling me to be quiet. I noticed the beast was behind her and my eyes widened but then it suddenly faded and that's all I can remember. I must have passed out because when I woke up, I was in my bedroom laying in my bed. I wanted one last memory before graduating. Next time, I'll be more careful what I ask for. This story was from Anonymous in Texas. When my husband and I were first married, we lived in college student housing. My husband did lawn care for an elderly lady, Mrs. Raybar, in the nearby area. Mrs. Raybar owed my husband some money. It was a Saturday afternoon and we were down in the housing parking lot, cleaning out our car. The lot was T-shaped. There was only one way in and one way out of the lot. The top ends of the T went in front of other apartments. 
so you couldn't see cars after they turned, either left or right, because the view was blocked by apartments. As we were cleaning out the car, Mrs. Raybar drove past in her old 1960s Ford and then turned left. We both saw her very clearly. She'd never been to our apartment before, and we thought she was looking for us in order to pay my husband. We waited, standing out by the car so that we would be visible when she had to turn around and come back the way she came in. We waited, and we waited, but she never came. We walked the parking lot and searched for her car, but it was nowhere to be found. Later that day, we received a phone call from her neighbor, a neighbor my husband also did yard work for, and they were friends. She informed my husband that she had found Mrs. Raybar, deceased on a lounge chair on her patio, about 10 a.m. that day. My husband will not admit that he believes in ghosts, but that's the only explanation he can find for Mrs. Raybar coming through our parking lot. I guess she wanted to settle her debts before moving on. The story was from Evelyn Tilbrook. I wanted to give a big thank you to Leslie Fear, host of the Because I Want to Know podcast, for lending her vocal talents to this episode. 